Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh God, I've lost my keys. What in the world is going on when... Here's the story, right? I have to go and collect my passport from the passport office. It's not actually the passport office, it's the courier delivery of the passport office. And I have to take my, dri- I have to take my driver's licence with me to prove who I am. And I had found my driver's licence, finally, and I put it down and... I put it with my house keys because then I was like, I will never lose it again today while I'm trying to look for my wallet because I couldn't find my wallet. I'm understanding how this sounds as I say it out loud. Then I put the keys down with the driver's license, obviously got distracted by something else. And I don't know where I've put either of them. Now, keys is not the biggest issue because I have spares, but... Now I don't have my driver's license. Now, if anybody has ever tried to replace a driver's license, it is like sitting your A-levels again. It is so complicated. Did you know it's illegal to have a driver's license without your actual real address on it? If it's from your old place, then that's not real. Which, for anyone who rents, is just ridiculous because then every time you move, with the landlord puts your rent up again, what, you're supposed to then pay for another driver's license? I mean, it's not realistic. Now, in some ways, everything I've just said has some relevance because (laughs) here's a question for you. Do you, listeners, ever wonder about whether you have ADHD? Because it's something that is popping up a lot online and a lot in queer circles that I see. So today we're going to talk about it. And we're talking about it with none other than Riyadh Khalaf. He is an author. He is the winner of Celebrity Masterchef. He is a TV presenter and he is a lover of aviation and cats. But what we're talking today about is Riyadh has recently been diagnosed with ADHD later in life. And we just had this incredible chat about it. He talks about how his diagnosis has changed his life for the better. If you are interested in ADHD, which I am, because actually, as I I talk about with Riyadh, a psychiatrist told me they thought I was maybe ADHD, gave me some medication that I didn't like. Actually, and Riyadh really helped me understand perhaps why I didn't like it. But uh, one of the things is you lose things a lot. So maybe I just lose things a lot. But anyway, maybe that's why my driver's license has gone. I don't know. But Riyadh talking about it has been really interesting because there are lots of things online about how people are misdiagnosed. And I was really interested in the angle that actually I think our life, the fragmented way we are live our lives online, actually create symptoms that are quite ADHD-like. 
this is not a doctor. It's just a discussion with someone who has ADHD and telling their story. Um, and it's a really beautiful chat. We also got a whole whole way into planes because um, Riyadh is a plane obsessive, and we talk about we're talking all about kind of uh, really interesting stuff about like. Well, I'm terrified of flying, so we get all into that. So that's today's episode, people. Have you caught up with last week's episode? We spoke to the brilliant Ollie Pike, author of Pop and Ollie books, about how to create an LGBTQ plus inclusive education for children in schools. More and more relevant. Though every day that goes by, it's more and more relevant. Just seeing the law that has come in in Uganda in the past couple of days, teaching that inclusion is so important. And it was a great episode. I love Ollie. Love hearing from you. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Love hearing from you on Instagram. It's at Homo Sapiens. And if you have a chance, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and you can win a Homo Sapiens t-shirt. Perfect for Pride Month, my friends. And actually, people got in touch about last week's episode. Richie said, love this. Might also be worth checking out the Thai at Thai campaign, as in T-I-E, up here in Scotland, who were the driving force behind LGBT inclusive education being introduced in the Scottish school curriculum. Wicked. Thank you, Richie. That's great. And we've also been asking you all for good LGBT-friendly summer holiday recommendations. Here is a few. So we asked you, where are your favourite places to holiday as an LGBTQ plus person? And it's really interesting, this, because I remember kissing a boy much younger, many years ago, uh, in Greece. And he was saying to me that he, and he was Greek, and he was like, I could never tell my parents about my sexuality. He just talked to me about his whole life and situation. It was so interesting and really potent and sad to understand actually so what are your favorite places to holiday as an lgbtq plus person ace in the city says don't want to tell you because you'll all go what okay fine km747 loves new york gay friendly city plus it has broadway quite right chris loves new zealand syrup loves sitches sorrento barcelona yes love barcelona and then is there such a place as a chilled lgbt holiday destination we asked you 92% of you said yes, which I was really surprised by because I always find places that are a bit LGBT holiday-wise seem a bit full-on, like, you know, you have to sort of have a phone party. Um, can people write in and tell us what they are? Um, what are your chilled places to go as an LGBT person? I would love to know that. Have you ever had an uncomfortable experience while travelling as an LGBTQ plus person? We ask 80% of you said yes, which is not great news, um, but also not surprising. I have never had, personally, me and my husband, we've never had any any shit on holiday, I don't think. But I have to say, I definitely police myself on holiday a lot. Um, have you ever had to lie about your sexuality when travelling as an LGBTQ plus person? Yes, says 83% of you. Wow. Have you ever had an uncomfortable experience with travelling as an LGBTQ plus person? Yes, 86% of you. So we asked, what other challenges have you faced travelling as an LGBTQ plus person? Travel to predominantly Islamic countries is clearly a challenge or in some cases not even worth it, says Murphy. Chris says, hotel check-in, assuming me and my boyfriend were want two single beds. I mean, Chris, I've had that so many times. But people, you, you can now predict the look at the screen as they start to furrow their brow. They're like, mm, and they're looking at you. At which point, maybe I deploy a limp wrist just to sort of get them over the line so we don't have to have the awkward conversation. Yeah, and then Siroc says, the presumption of cishet normativity exists in very many destinations. Absolutely. Adam says, the obligatory this room has a double bed only accompanied by a bewildered look. I love it. Same as Chris. So many people have that experience. 
Jaygod says, for some reason, my husband and I decided to go to Egypt on our first holiday together. I think I'll understand that perhaps it wasn't the best. Adam's been in touch about holidaying with their partner. To be honest, I think it's probably changed the type of holidays that I go on when it's just with my husband. I feel like sometimes I would just like to get away for a week, like many of my straight friends do, and just book a hotel somewhere with a nice pool near the beach and just relax. But I think that I am too wary of doing these kinds of holidays now as I don't want to have to deal with feeling judgment from others. And so in order to go on a sort of typical summer holiday by the sea, I think that privacy is very important. So I'm more likely to want to rent a house where I know it can be private. But it's funny because I only feel this for a kind of beach holiday, whereas with most city breaks, probably wouldn't think twice about it. I want interesting. Yeah, I wonder if that's because in the city, you kind of were used to, well, I'm certainly used to like disappearing into the mess of lots of people and like finding those intimate coupley moments that you know people don't notice because everyone's moving. Whereas beach holiday, you're kind of sitting there. And you've got an audience on the beach. You know, like, me and William would not roll around and snog on the beach. I mean, anyway. But, like, yeah, I, I, I very much love a private holiday because, yeah, I just do. Um, partly queerness, partly just, you know what, I like the peace. And I do, I do think it's about being watched. I do. Whether I would tell myself not and whether I tell myself to shut up, Chris, and have the confidence. I don't. So sue me. Now, let's go and have a listen to Riyadh. Love Riyadh. This is a great chat. You're here. Yes, I'm here and I'm queer and I'm ready to party. Get used to... Oh, ready to party. Yes, yes, much better. Much more modern. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, yeah. Um, life is great. Um, the sun is shining. The hay fever hasn't kicked in quite yet. So yeah. I'm only slightly teary-eyed. It's that sweet spot between... Well, I suppose it is spring, right? It's spring. Is it not summer? Oh, is it? I think it's summer. Hold the phones. We're going to be trolled about this after, though. I know we are. Because <laughs> there's all this, like, <laughs> lunar stuff and universe stuff that means that in certain places it is or isn't, so. Exactly. And you've been in Australia? I've been filming in Australia since 1993, it feels. <laughs> since Michelle Pfeiffer was Catwoman. The best time to ever exist in human history, can I add? Quite right. Yeah, so I've been doing that and then I'm back in England for a brief, for for a beat, as they say nowadays. Mm. And um, then I'm going back to Australia. Have you ever been to Australia? I feel like you have. No. I feel like I've, right. It's shocking, actually. It's, it's number one on my hit list and I was supposed to go to World Pride, but then life and work got in the way. So I, I actively went through all of my friends' Instas who I knew were going to be there and I muted them for two weeks. Uh, (laughs) But so that I didn't forget anyone, I put them all in my notes uh, of people I don't want to see for, for that fortnight. Uh, And then I, I I re kind of uh, made them visible to me. But it helped with the FOMO, it helped with the mental health. But yeah, I'm dying, dying to go Dan and Dan and Dan and So there yeah. you go, now we're going to be trolled. Because as a man of many planes, um, I would have thought you would have flown to Australia. I feel like I've seen you in a flight there. Tell me a bit about planes, because mm. I feel like queerness in planes is a real thing. And why? I think we might have spoken about this at some wanky award show one day about <laughs> gays and planes or queers and planes i yeah i've had this fascination and i don't know where it started it was about you know four or five i remember looking up i was in school playground and everyone always asking why why always look at the planes why always it's like well because mm. like why how get away from you fuckers <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you bullies and i will 
and I did. Yeah. Now, um, it, it, it's always fascinated me. And then my dad only made it worse by taking me to Dublin Airport on, on the odd Sunday to go plane spotting. We'd be there for hours and I'd just be fascinated by the noise and the power. But also, I think this is the queer bit, the elegance and yeah. the escape element that they offer. Um, and the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a sense of if I'm on this thing, I have achieved something. I, I am worthy of being, yes. you know what I mean? I'm not on the ground. I'm in the air. Um, <laughs> and then just the class breakdown. And I, I, I don't know what it is, but it's um, I, I, over the years, I've started to find a lot of particularly gay male friends that mm. are either private pilots, commercial pilots, I work at, obviously as, as cabin crew. What circles are you hanging in? Oh, I, I, I fished them out. I, I I went on a date with the first officer who worked for uh, Monarch Airlines, who are sadly no longer with us. God rest her soul. Oh, rest and in peace. we went on dates and the whole time I was just asking about APUs and airspeeds and altitudes and stuff like that. And I was That's desperate wonderful. to make him my husband. But, you know, it, it, being a pilot isn't quite enough. you got to actually have a romantic connection. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you if you, if you insist... And do you also think that, I think you're so on the money, by the way, about that, like, um, you're saying luxury and, and motion, like you're, you're on the move and there's sort of a status thing. Status, but also yeah. like little bits of, <laughs> I'm speaking to my own experience here, but it's something I've noticed in myself that I actually really try and not do, but they make you feel special and I, you know, on an airline, like, there's a whole thing about being special. You know, like, if you were lucky enough to go into, like, a lounge, like, there's mm. little canapes and little gr- grape, a grape with a raspberry resting on top. And it's all, like, it's highly camp. It's all about sort of being, like, in an oasis away from reality. And I think that being special is something that I think queer people gravitate towards because it makes you feel like you're having a little break from perhaps... Uh, some of the, you know, rougher end of being queer. Yeah, I completely, completely agree. I mean, for me, it's, it's everything from the smell of the, the jet fuel to the, mm. the, the sounds that you hear, the disconnection from the world below. I wish aircraft didn't get the new technology that allows high speed Wi-Fi at 36,000 feet. That, yeah, that, God. I actively don't connect if I can stand it because that's the, the beauty. I, oh, wow. I get, I get these three, five, 10 hours to just be. It's like mm. hyper, hyper mindfulness forced. Where yes. all I have is that film in the back of the seat that I don't really want to watch, but I have to. Yeah. And this yeah. shit white wine. But for some reason up here, it tastes like the finest Krug champagne. And it's not, it's plunk. So uh, yeah, there, there's many, many things. And I, I think inside, I've always had this sort of secret love of engineering that I always thought was a bit boring and a bit loserish, and and gay gay guys aren't supposed to like that, yes. just because of what we're told. Uh, but now I I embrace it fully, and I I geek out on on the reg. I mean, I've literally my my friend uh, who I live with, we've already put in the diary this uh, coming Saturday. We're going out to Heathrow to a very mm. particular road called Myrtle Avenue. If you have mm-hmm. a, a free day where you want some free fun, go to Myrtle Avenue and you see the big long-haul aircraft about 300 feet above your head screaming over the threshold of the runway before they land and it's it's a spectacle people that don't like aviation have a great day 
Um, so that's yes. what that's my idea of a fun day out. So I have, ever since I was a kid, gone to this island called Skopelos in Greece, um, where Mamma Mia was filmed famously. Oh, wow. Not why I go there. But I got married there. And in order to get there, you have to fly to this island called Skiathos next door, which has one of the shortest runways in the world. Nice. And they have all those people there all the time the play- watching every plane Those land. people. But my community, plane spotters. <laughs> Hashtag avgeeks. <laughs> Careful how you categorize us. No, I know. Yeah. I know. Well, I recommend you do it. Um, can I so, just ask, sorry, you, you went yeah. to the Mamma Mia island, but you didn't get a share helicopter. And, and a shiny silver heel. No, no, sadly not. But also, we've been going there since before Mamma Mia was filmed there. We've been going there since I was nine years old. So now, whenever you lie on the beach, you can hear... Dun, 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 no matter where you are, because there's some ABBA tour going oh, God, on. God, the poor locals. Well, it's funny, because when we got married there, everyone was like, oh, of course you're getting married there, because you're gay. And I was like, no, yeah. that's not. I'm not going to the Mamma Mia island, because, I mean, it might might be part of the reason but it's not the whole reason so um yeah it's very (laughs) funny but that runway is so short that it's terrifying to be on the plane like everyone claps when it lands but also there's a video on youtube of like all all, i won't say those people again of the community (laughs) underneath the plane landing and there's this one that goes slightly wrong and the plane comes in so low and like clips everyone's Jump! No, every, oh, I wish. No, I don't wish. As in, like, it's not that dramatic. But oh. everyone who's watching actually like drops to the ground because it's so close and terrifying. I think I might have seen this video on there uh, on TikTok. There's a few of them around the world, and I'm trying to take them off one by one. There's another one in Saint Martin in the Caribbean, which oh, is yeah. the really famous. I think it's Ma- Maho Beach or something like that, where mm. the edge of the runway is literally touching the edge of the beach where people are sunbathing. Oh, my. God. And they hang on to the metal fence with, with for dear life as the jet blast <laughs> pushes them back. I mean, people get really badly injured. So, yeah, oh stand a bit back is what I'd say. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So my husband is obsessed with planes, always has been for many, all the same reasons. He's like 50% engineering, 50% canapes um, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and, and likes planes. But um, his mom is obsessed with them as well. But she is also terrified of flying in her own way. And like, mm. do you like 
are you actually because I'm quite scared of flying in a like I'm like every time I get on a plane I'm like well that's it you had a good innings Chris every you know, time every time oh no but then I get over well, it most of my friends most of my friends are like you but they, they don't get over it they're like that for the takeoff landing and maybe a little bit in the middle with the turbulence whereas oh that's me I love it I love because I'm I'm feeling like I almost will I won't say will something to go wrong but I will the the plane to be making some grunting sounds because I'm I'm I personify her I'm like and she yeah she's a she her um it it's like come on honey yes fuck the turbulence fuck the clouds you got this crosswind we got it and and that kind of the engines pushing through I because I just see them as such beautiful I was about to say creatures machines and and so and I know as well how many redundancies are built into these incredible machines where like if one thing goes wrong you've got two or three backups um the the pilots are so highly trained every accident incident that happens makes the entire industry that bit safer they are always pulling new learning new technology new ways of training from the accidents um and yeah my biggest fear is crossing the road I'm terrified of cars. Terrified. Really? Yeah. My ex and I would get into regular uh, arguments about me putting my arm out in front of him just as we're about to cross the road, going, are you crazy? Did you see <laughs> how fast I got? And it's miles away. It's miles away. It's on the horizon still. But So I don't know where, I had no trauma in my past regarding cars, but I've just decided that's my thing. Whereas planes, I'm like, come at me. Well, I have the similar thing with cars because I think I have no 3D spatial awareness. So I don't know what, I don't know where, if an object is five meters away or 400. Do you think, is there a condition there, do you think? Like dyspraxia or something like that? Gayness or... (laughs) uh, (laughs) Your flailing arms all the time. (laughs) But do you think that you're not scared because you have an engineering knowledge so you know what's happening? Whereas I'm like, this thing's too heavy, we're going to drop. Well, this is it. Every friend that I fly with who is freaking out I always take time to explain what's happening because right. there, there's there's peace in knowledge and yes. all those weird noises have a reason. It's not, right. a bit hasn't fallen off. The phalange is still firmly attached. Both of them, actually, <laughs> the left and the right. Regina Phalange from Friends. <laughs> no, what was it? Was the, the, the left phalange. Oh, who's that, Regina Phalange? Is that a different episode? I missed Regina that Phalange. Wasn't Regina Phalange Phoebe from Neighbours? Um, Neighbours. Freebo from Friends is like alter ego or something. Oh, like her evil twin. I seem to recall she would blame things on Regina Falange. She'd be oh. like, oh, it was Regina Falange. Oh, it was I, like an episode. I think we just stumbled across a, a Friends Easter egg without realising yeah. it. To, um, so what is a Falange? Well, it doesn't exist. It's completely made up. Oh, I see. Yeah. She just said it, I think, to get Rachel off the plane from my memory. Uh, and to get everyone off the plane. To make the plane not take off. Yeah. The left phalange isn't working or it's falling off. I don't know what the line is. But but, so when when, when you're on a plane, right? Have you ever been on, it's a short haul aircraft, an A320, all of EasyJet use them and you're taxiing out to the runway or taxiing in after you've landed and you hear this. Yes. So that, that is the one that really gets people because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's disconcerting. <laughs> people call it the dog barking in, in the hold because it does yes. sound like a, wah, wah, like a little shitty Jack Russell. Sorry to any Jack Russell owners. Um, and Poor listeners. yeah, this is true. I, I hear that there are a lot of gay dogs that listen to this. Um, 
Uh, but that's just the hydraulic pump that's um, equalizing pressure on both sides or the flaps going up and down like after yeah. you take off. So it's all fine. And uh, there was one friend, though, she had a couple of Valiums or one Valium and a champagne, not to be um, advised, but that's her uh, cocktail of choice. And she does her. Um, but her, her additional things that she does were uh, she we sat down in our seats and she said, right, we're going up to meet the captain. I was like, excuse me? We're literally, we're about to, to roll out to the runway and she goes, we, well, I have to meet the captain or we, that's it. We're not going. And so she needed to see the face of the human who was going to be flying the thing. Yeah. And she, she had the, the, the conversation there. She told him about her worries and the, the female first officer, uh, they, they, they put her at ease and we sat down and then we had to do the, um, name, uh, a country beginning with every letter in the alphabet. We went from A to Z and then back to A again, uh, just so that she wouldn't freak out. And then, and then she was fine. So oh. I, I, there's a, there's a real problem with, with this stuff because, um, I think a lot of the, the media coverage of aircraft accidents is disproportionate to what's actually going on. A lot of sensationalism, especially in the States. You'll often see a plane will have, you know, some minor um, issue wrong with it and we might have to turn back and land, right? It's like a technical yeah. fail. But like, the situation was dire. This man <laughs> on the plane caught the drama from, from the wing. As you can see, the plane was rocking side to side. Well, no, it was turning. Uh, it's like, it just drives me mad and the rest of my community uh, of playing geeks. <laughs> so, you know, watch everything with a huge pinch, pinch of salt and enjoy your little hop over to Malaga. It's going to be fine. Uh, well, you know, it's, um, yes, maybe. The, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, you've done nothing to lay my fears other than what I will say. The one they need to do a little announcement about, which would solve, would have solved many years of panic is, when you're taking off, it goes, and then when it stops taking, it gets to the height it wants to go to. Suddenly, the whole, all the engines go, Boom. okay, and you're like, Ooh. okay. I've actually heard a couple of squeals um, in the cabin, uh, not good squeals, bad squeals from scared um, gays probably when that happens. And it's, do you know, do you want to know what it is? Yeah. So um, you need a hundred percent power or thereabouts for takeoff. It's called toga, take off, go around, thrust. And um, once you're airborne and you're at um, about a thousand feet in the air, oh. there's generally going to be residential areas around that airport, and there's noise abatement rules. Oh. And so generally, to save fuel and to go to what's called climb thrust, not takeoff thrust, you pull back. The, the thrust lever ever so slightly back, back to about 70%. Um, and wow. that is to, to, uh, lessen the, the impact of, of the growling engines of the people living below and mm-hmm. to, um, take all, or to climb to cruising altitude as a, uh, using thrust that, that's not going to guzzle up all of your, uh, fuel. And also the engines aren't designed to be at take, take off thrust for more than a couple of minutes. If you do, then they right. wear down certain components quicker. So it's, it prevents, it saves the life of the engine from uh, being uh, diminished. So there's three reasons. It's fascinating. And then, so if I'm flying from England to EG South America, which is entirely over water the whole way. Yeah. Am I more likely to die? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, you mean in what, we in what situation? Down. If it went down? Well, planes go down for multiple reasons. They don't go down very often, but they, you know, like everything has a failure sometimes. 
Oh Christ! Um, I well, look if you look at it, the, the the ocean, yeah, it's it's rolling and it's waving about. But I would prefer to ditch or do a, a forced landing on water rather than a highly populated area, because at least then you've got a, a clear open space. It is water, but it's clear and open. You're not going to necessarily break it into a million pieces. If you look at the the miracle on the Hudson River with Captain Sully Sullenberger, where yes. they took off uh, from Newark uh, yeah. and they hit a flock of geese. Both engines failed at about 3,000 feet over the most densely populated area in the world. Never happened before at that altitude, fully laden with passengers and fuel. It's like, oh, this is never going to work out. But what you had there was a very, very, very highly trained individual at the controls with a wonderful co-pilot and all of the people on the ground working in unison together. All of the practices that were that are rehearsed and put into place to make everything work in a situation like this. They went together like it just worked so beautifully. And uh, he, he put it down. No one died. And and he put it down on water. But I've been told it's a myth, that aside from like a nice flat river, like that Sully story. I've been told that like if you tried to land on the sea, it would just break up and everyone would die. Um, Is that true? Um, it, it depends. I mean, they're not they're not they're not throwing planes into the sea testing it uh, because they cost a couple of hundred million apiece. But... One example is there's an Ethiopian Airlines plane that was hijacked in the 90s or late 80s. And they they forced the pilots to fly somewhere that they didn't have fuel to get to. And it ran out of fuel, engine stopped, and it, it went down into the sea. Um, the, the, the pilot, I think, tried to slow it down. And one of the wings went into the, the water first and it spun. It did break apart. But not everyone died. Not everyone died. Not everyone died. wonderful takeout. <laughs> You know, well, for that situation, do you know what I mean? But okay, so Listen, so for it. that example, what is the learning that we've taken from that? So that won't happen again. New and from other um, crashes, but new cockpit uh, rules where you can't be a pilot on your own in the flight deck uh, uh-huh. without another person there. So if if captain wants to go for a wee, a cabin crew member has to go in. So it's always always two human be- beings in there. So learnings and things get better great can i change the subject entirely yeah let's get happier well or sadder (laughs) well you tell me um recently you have been diagnosed with adhd no yes uh but it was uh, a year and a half ago i think or two years oh okay was it that long ago but i didn't talk about it for a long time because i wanted to give myself time to kind of uh become okay with that learn about it and then when i had information share uh, accurate information good information yeah that makes tons of sense i i find it so interesting um and i've loved the videos you've done on it thank you and i was reading another that bbc thing the other day about um they were asking the, i'm not going to say it as a statement they were asking the question about how you know reliable some of the diagnoses are yeah. and for example i went to a psychiatrist and she told me that she thought i was probably adhd right. um she said, oh, I think you're probably borderline. Gave me some pills, which I took for like two days. And I was like, I felt I felt like travel sick. I felt awful for two days. And then I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Sure. And I haven't done anything else about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but tell me more about your, what took you to get diagnosed? What, yeah. How did it happen? Well, I always, always felt uh, like I had this like little secret. There was the, obviously the gay thing when I was younger, big secret, dark secret in my head then. But there was this mm. other thing where I always felt a bit weird. 
and like a, a little bit incompatible with the world that I lived in. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a bit, I just take a bit longer to do things or I, yeah, I can't do as many things uh, as quickly. But it was actually a lot more all encompassing than that. It was involving my mental health. It was involving uh, my relationships, uh, romantic, familial friendships, everything, sleep, everything. And so mm. I, I just sort of thought, that's me. Okay, we'll just sort of get on with it. And I, I, what happens with people that are undiagnosed with ADHD and reach adulthood is they uh, almost accidentally find uh, ways and means or they invent tools uh, that they implant into their life to make it a bit easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it could be how their home is physically set up, um, how many friends they have that they can sort of keep up with or the type of job that they have. Many of us will be uh, self-employed. We won't have a traditional nine to five with a traditional boss thing because we can't. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, we have to kind of run under our own steam, which has its downfalls as well when you've got an ADHD brain. But anyway, um, got into adulthood. Uh, I was in a relationship and pretty early into the relationship, this person was sort of noticing things that I was doing that I thought were just normal. But he was like, this is fucking weird. And I was like, what? I just went in to make a cup of tea. And it's like, and the Hiroshima 2.0 happened in the kitchen. What the <laughs> fuck? Like every single cupboard door was open and I will have cut myself and banged my head and um, there'd be stuff leaking on the floor. It would just be a complete mess. And that was just mm. one example or, uh, getting quite quickly overwhelmed by uh, uh, overstimulation from like audio or visual st- stimuli. Like so a car might drive by our flat very quickly and it might be very loud and I might have like a bit of a panic attack um, mm. or I might get a bit like angry. Uh, mm. but, like it, it doesn't, the, the thing that happened doesn't denote the anger. Mm. Um, or two people are talking to me at once and I just need to walk away and I, I get a bit obsessed. Um, um, so all these things were happening. Um, the list is endless. And he said, I think you might, maybe they're like on the spectrum or something, the autistic spectrum. And I was like, maybe actually. And I looked it up and I thought, well, yeah, 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 but not that or not that and not that. And I was dealing with really, really bad anxiety and depression at the time as well, which I didn't know is, uh, super common in people with ADHD. They're called comorbidities. Mm. 70% of people with ADHD will have at least one comorbidity, uh, which could be OCD, anxiety, depression, Asperger's, uh, uh, mm. dyslexia, la, 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 la. So I went in initially for anxiety and depression to the psychiatrist. I went private because I was kind of in an emergency. It was, I was, you know, very dark thoughts and suicidal mm. ideation and all of this. Mm-hmm. Went in, talked about that. Um, I started an antidepressant, um, but uh, before I left her office, I said, well, I just want to talk about this other thing. Maybe we could talk about it another time. Felt a bit shameful about it. I brought up the autistic spectrum question and she asked me a few questions. She says, mm, I think it's undiagnosed adult ADHD. And she gave me some um, stuff to look at online, some stuff to read, some stuff to watch. And I, 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 t- I told her, no, you're, you're completely wrong. I'm not that kind of wild child in the back of the classroom breaking shit. And she goes, well, it, it presents differently in, in adults. And there are kind of two, well, there's three schools of thought for ADHD. Hyperactive, which is the stereotypical one. Then there's attention deficit. And then there's combined. Most mm-hmm. people are the combined type. 
And so I went home, looked at the stuff and I thought, holy shit, like it's not even just, oh, I have a bit of that and I have a bit of that. It's I, this is, I'm, I am this. Mm-hmm. And the the one thing that I I was questioning was, but like everyone has these things. But um, what what I learned was that um, if the symptoms of ADHD, if you've got enough of them and they're persistent, they're not just sort of they happen here and there. They're kind of every day all the time. And the third element is they have a, a marked quantifiable negative impact on your life, your work life, your personal life relationships. Then you're closer to being diagnosable uh, through uh, the DSM-5, which is the sort of the manual that the psychiatrists use. And so then you do long, long questionnaires, you talk to your parents, you're, you're, you talk to your family and you look at school reports and, and sort of trends that keep coming up away with the fairies looking at, at the, of the window rather than the classroom board has lost potential, can't sit still. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's all been there the whole fucking time. And I've been struggling. Yeah. Then I got diagnosed and then my life changed mm. for the better. And it's been unbelievable. That's the end of part one. Love this chat. Let's go and have a listen to part two. It's on the feed. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Powered by Spirit Studios.